Well, may I offer you a good morning as well. Uh, it's great to be with you today. Great to be sharing in worship and uh, sharing in the Word this morning. This morning we're looking at uh, Mark and chapter 6. Uh, there's a Bible. The Bible reference will come up a little bit later on when we refer to it. But I wonder this morning, how well do you know Jesus? Uh, you may have all sorts of ideas about him, and as we read through the, the Gospel of Mark, they had all sorts of ideas about him. Those who didn't know him, those who were with him, and they were still trying to work out who Jesus was. A few years ago, Pam and I, we went to see a dramatization of the gospel, Gospels called The Man Jesus, and Simon Carrow was the sole actor in this performance, and he performed 12 individual characters, quite a feat in itself. And so he was portraying Jesus through the eyes of different characters, through the eyes of Mary, John the Baptist, Simon, Judas, Herod and Pilate. And quite an amazing feat. And uh, the impact that Jesus had on them. And it was, it was kind of really grabbed you. It really held your attention. It, it made it seem so alive. And I remember when we, when we came to the end of the performance someone getting up a few rows behind us, and they'd obviously had some kind of church background, and they kind of said something to the effect of, well, I didn't really know Jesus was like that. Maybe I need to go back and read the Bible again. Maybe I need to go to church again and discover more about this Jesus. In some way, that, that uh, dramatization captured their hearts, and they saw something about Jesus that they had never seen before. And I pray that as we go through Mark's gospel, you would get a bigger vision of Jesus. Maybe you don't know him, you've never encountered him, that you would encounter him and see him for who he really is. So what do you think about him? Is he just another man? Was he simply a good teacher? Was he a good moral example, etc.? Or was he more than that? Was he indeed God in the flesh? So as we continue through this this journey in Mark's gospel, let's keep asking ourselves the, the questions. What is Mark telling us about Jesus? Remember, Mark is writing Jesus's biography, uh, which is really the story of God, because Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. Uh, and uh, as I said in my devotional a few weeks ago, time and time again, the, the people, especially the religious people who thought they had God all sorted, were, were shocked uh, by the scandalous love displayed by Jesus, evidenced in the people that Jesus was willing to, to welcome, willing to, to touch, willing to spend time with, willing to forgive, willing to heal, and willing to deliver the despised, the downtrodden, the rejected, etc. And that was a, a shock to them. Secondly, what can we learn from the stories in, in regard to our own relationship to Jesus? Maybe you don't know him. Maybe you know him a bit. Maybe you need to get to know him some more. How can you grow in your relationship to Jesus? And thirdly, what does it ask of us? And so we're, we're in Mark chapter 6, and this is quite a chapter. Uh, in, in verses 1 to 6, we get the rejection of Jesus at Nazareth. He, he's been out and about preaching and teaching uh, doing miracles, healing the sick, casting out demons. And the fame of Jesus is, is spreading abroad. And everybody is like, wants a bit of Jesus. Who is, who is this guy? What is he about? What's he got to say? And, and I want something of what he can do. And they would even take their friends along to, to get them healed. And uh, so, But the question arises, where, where did he get this wisdom? So he stands up in the synagogue on that Sabbath. And it's like they're listening to him. And it's like, who is this man? 
We knew him. Where did he get the wisdom? Where does he get the power to perform such miracles? How did this untrained man end up being so influential? After all, is he not the son of the carpenter? Is he not a carpenter himself? And, you know, didn't he grow up here amongst us? We know his brothers. We, we know his mother. We know his sisters. And then in verses 7 to 13 of that chapter, we have the commissioning of the 12 disciples called to to go out and preach the gospel, to heal the sick and to cast out demons. And I was reading this and for the first time, and I've, I've read this passage, I don't know how many times, but I read this and suddenly it hit me, these guys still weren't sure who Jesus was. And you find that later in the chapter. They were still trying to get their heads around Jesus, and yet Jesus commissions them to go out and preach the gospel, to heal the sick, and and to deliver those who are bound, etc. So it's quite shocking when you realize they weren't entirely sure. They hadn't got their heads entirely around Jesus. And he, he says to them, right, I want you to go and join in this ministry now. And then in verses 14 to 29, we we have the story of Herod. And and Herod's concerned that Jesus might be John the Baptist come back to life. I mean, oh my goodness, if that's the case, Herod's got a problem. So he's trying to get his head around who Jesus is. is. He's hearing all these stories about Jesus. And then we come to the feeding of the 5,000 in verses 30 through to 44. An amazing miracle of provision that carries with it the echoes of God's provision for his people in the wilderness. In the other accounts, we're, we're told how at this point they wanted to make Jesus king. It's like they, they look at him and they think, we like, we like this man. We, we like this guy. We, he, he could rule over us. I mean, look at him. He, I mean, his wisdom, it's amazing. And, and the miracles that he can perform, I mean, there's lots of needy people. He can multiply loaves and fishes and, 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 make, and, and feed multitudes. And, and, uh, and, and he can deliver those who are bound by the enemy. I mean, this, this, he would make a great king. And so they, they wanted to make him king, and, and, and what more could you want? Someone who could deliver, someone who could heal, someone who could forgive and give hope and, and feed multitudes, and, and perhaps even more than that, a king who could kick the Romans out. How about that? But Jesus didn't come to do that, but rather to set his reign up in the hearts and lives of men and women. It was a different kind of kingdom altogether. It would operate on entirely different principles. And he wasn't going to, be, uh, he wasn't going to allow his purposes to, to be defined by popular opinion. It's so easy, isn't it, to be swayed by the polls. We see that in the political world in which we live. But Jesus wouldn't do that. He wouldn't be swayed by political or popular opinion. And meanwhile, there's a storm brewing. It's a storm that's brewing in the heart of those who know him, in the heart of those who are close to him. So let's just read together, shall we? Mark chapter 6 and verses 45 to 56. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida while he sent the people home. And after telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Then late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on the land. And he saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves. And then about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them. And he was walking on the water, and he intended to go past them. 
But when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking that he was a ghost. And they were all terrified when they saw him. But Jesus spoke to them at once and he said, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. And then he climbed into the boat and the the wind stopped. And they were just totally amazed. For they, they didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves and their hearts were too hard to take it in. And then after they had crossed the lake, they, they landed at Genesaret and they brought the boat to shore and climbed out and the people recognized Jesus at once and they ran throughout the whole area carrying sick people on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, in villages, cities, all the countryside, they brought the sick out to the marketplaces and they begged him to to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe and all who touched him were healed i mean that's that's quite an amazing story isn't it i mean there's there's a lot going on there so it was a very busy day for jesus he had been teaching and preaching he'd been sharing in different ways he he had been feeding this multitude with the with with these these very meager provisions And, and 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 they are astounded And at the end of this busy day, Jesus insists that the disciples, they get into the boat and they go over to Bethsaida while he sends everybody home. And then he goes up into the hills, into the mountain to pray. And it's interesting in reading Mark where there's potential overtones and echoes of the Old Testament and and the revelation of God in in the Old Testament. And it's quite possible that's what's going on here, that Mark is connecting the story of Jesus to that of Moses. Remember, Mark is is writing the biography of Jesus, Jesus, the, the Son of God, God dwelling in human flesh. And so the picture, picture that he gives us of, of communion between God the Father and Jesus the Son is, is vitally important. We need to take note of it. Mark is, is showing us that there is an intimacy and a, a closeness in the relationship of Jesus with God that was closer than that of Moses with God. And for Jesus, praying was vitally important. Yes, he was God manifest in the flesh, but he was living in real human flesh. And he knew what it was to to be dependent. And he was utterly dependent for his life and his ministry upon the Father. Jesus was not driven by the, the need of people, but the will of the Father. So he was frequently in the presence of the Father. He knew the need to to get away and to spend time with him, to be in his presence, talking to him, listening to his voice. And it may be for someone who's listening in today that uh, that, that you, you need to hear that. Perhaps you're a driven person. You're driven by so many things. We think of the story of Mary and Martha and how Martha was driven so much, but Mary realized that the value of taking time out and spending it with Jesus. Maybe you're driven by so many needs around you. It seems you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to be here and you've got to be there. Demand here, demand there. Driven, driven, driven. And you just need to hear the voice of, of the Father this morning saying, come away. Come and spend time with me. Come and listen to my voice. Be in my presence. Receive strength and wisdom from me. Maybe that's what you need to do this week, just to carve some time out and say, the most important thing for me to do this week is to spend time with my Father in heaven. Listening to him, 
discovering his heart, receiving his strength. And so there there they were, the the disciples. So Jesus is up the mountain and uh, he's praying. He's spending time with the Father. Meanwhile, the the disciples are out at sea, a a place of uncertainty, a potential danger and peril. And and the stillness of Galilee could quickly change into a, a raging storm within a moment of time. And sure enough, that particular night, the storm arose. Now, a question arises here. Did Jesus know what he was sending them into? And and we can believe that perhaps he did. And sometimes he sends us into a storm. And so why would he send them into a storm? In order to grow their faith. In order that they might learn dependency upon him. And so there they are, caught up in this storm. They, they've been rowing for a long time, and, and suddenly this storm has, has arisen, and they are getting nowhere. Storms, they occur in life, don't they? We get, we get caught in them. Sometimes we are caught in them, sometimes we are led into them. But let's remember this, that whatever storm that we might find ourselves in, God is sovereign. He is Lord over all. And it may be that you are in a storm at this moment in time. Maybe it is a storm as a result of coronavirus and, and it's, it's left you kind of like, whoa, what on earth is going on? And you need to know that God is sovereign. You need to know that the Father loves and cares for you, even in the midst of the storm. At some point during the night, Jesus sees them. So he doesn't see them immediately. Uh, but he, he's spending time with the Father, and, 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 and at some point or other, he must have been looking out, and he sees them out, out on the lake, and, and he sees that the storm has brewed up, and he sees that they are in trouble. But notice this also in the story. He doesn't deliver them immediately. He doesn't deliver them immediately. You would think, wouldn't you? Yeah, he knows what's happening. He's, he, he's, he's the creator. He can do all things. Why, why doesn't Jesus just step in now and, and bring an answer to their situation? There's always a reason in the heart of God. And sometimes that's a difficult thing for us all, isn't it? Just to, to be waiting for God's timing in every situation and circumstances we find ourselves. Those storms we're in. God, won't you come and do it now? Please, God, answer now. And he knows the storm that you're in. But for some reason in his providence, he waits and he waits and he waits. And you think, when is he going to do something? And then in his time, he steps in. But what we can be assured in this is that he sees and he knows. So wherever you are uh, today, listening in to this broadcast, whatever your circumstances, whatever the storm that you are going through, let me assure you that he is sovereign, that he sees and he knows, and he will act in his own time. So, notice this too, he doesn't deliver them from the land. I'm sure that Jesus, being Jesus, could have just uttered a word from the land and said, peace, be still, and the whole lot would have calmed down. But no, he goes to them in the storm. He goes into their very circumstances. He enters into the storm himself, and we see him as the the Lord of the storm, walking across the waves. So he steps into their situation, into the storm, and that one that you're in at the moment, he, he, he not only sees and knows, but he comes to you as well. He comes walking across, and he comes into the midst of the storm. We say, God, get me out of here, but God comes to us in the storm in order to rescue us. 
And then there's this amazing thing that goes on here as we look at this story. So he, he goes down the mountain, he, he walks across the sea, and he sees them there. And he sees the trouble that they're in, and, and then it's like he's going to go by them. He, it's as if he would pass by. And once again, we have to say we have a God thing going on here. We've already seen this in Mark with the, the healing of the demoniac, the forgiving of someone's sins, the healing on the Sabbath, the calming of the storm. And, and now Jesus is, is walking on the water. That, that, I mean, that's staggering, isn't it? I mean, who is he? Who is this man? And in Job 9 verse 8, it says, The Lord, who alone spread out the heavens and walks and marches on the sea as on dry ground. I mean, so this was a God thing. This, this supposed man walking on water was a God thing. It was God who was walking on the water. Only God could do that. And then it's like he's going to pass by. And that, is, again, is a, a possible echo out of the Old Testament, this notion of, of God passing by. We, we discover it in the, the story of Moses' experience at Mount Sinai, where God passes by, and, and, and of the story of Elijah on Horeb. You can find that in Exodus 33 and, and 1 Kings, where God comes and he passes by. So is this an echo of that, that, this, that, that Mark wants them to understand this person who's about to go by is none other than God walking on water, God present to them, God who is very real indeed. So the, this story has, has, again, has God written all over it. And as we travel through Mark's gospel, we discover that time and time again. What he, he wants us to know is that Jesus is more than the, the man who grew up next door to me, the man who trained as a carpenter like I did, the man who's, you know, part of the, 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 the town I lived in, uh, that this, this man was indeed the Son of God, that he was indeed God in the flesh. And that's Mark's aim time and time again, to write the biography of Jesus, which is the biography of the Son of God, which is the biography of God itself, God in human flesh. And he, he comes near but they, they don't recognize him. They, they, they look immediately and think, oh my goodness, it's a ghost. They don't expect God to come this way. They, they were not prepared for this. And suddenly Jesus speaks to them. And he simply says, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Or actually, it's literally, I am now, we've heard that one before. That's, again, an echo of the Old Testament. It's an echo of God's revelation of himself in the Old Testament to Moses, where he declares that his name is I Am. In another gospel, we have here the story of Peter included. Mark chooses, for some reason, not to include it. And we have that story where, yeah, so they, they see Jesus walking on the water, and, and, then, and then, then Peter looks at him and thinks, well, maybe, maybe I could have a go at this as well, you know? And, uh, and, he, and he, he calls out to Jesus, and, you know, if it's you, let, tell me to come to you. And so he gets out of the boat, and he walks on the water. And, and, and it's amazing. And then Peter takes his eyes off Jesus, and he begins to sink. He begins to sink. Now, we, we kind of look at Peter and say, ah, oh, Peter, ah, oh, Peter, why did you do that? You know, I mean... Come on, it was going so well. Why did you look at the water? Why did you doubt? Why did you sink? But instead of looking at the fact that he, he called to Jesus and he, he says to Jesus, if that's you, 
then call me to come to you. Let me come to you on the water. And Jesus likes that kind of bold, audacious faith. Uh, and, and Jesus responds to it. And he says, yeah, come. But of course, the problem was that he took his eyes off Jesus and he began to sink in the storm. And it may be for you this morning, this afternoon, this evening, whatever time of day you, you'll be listening to this, that you've taken your eyes off Jesus in the middle of the storm. You, you were trusting Jesus so well and things were going so well, but then suddenly you began to look at things around you. You began to look at the storm and you began to have those questions and those doubts go through your heart and your mind. And as you, you began to look at the storm more than Jesus, you found yourself sinking and sinking and sinking. But Jesus is there and he, he's, he's willing and ready to reach out his hand. And, you know, the moment you begin to look up again and you offer that cry, his hand is right there pulling you up and restoring you and renewing you. So Jesus gets into the boat and suddenly the wind stops and the waves, they, they just die down. And Mark tells us that they still didn't understand who Jesus was. It says there in those verses, it says they were totally amazed. So amazement, for they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Their hearts were too hard to take it in. You think, for these guys, you, think you know, in human vernacular of today, these guys were like, Thick as two short planks, as we say. You know, it's like time and time again, Jesus has been revealing himself. This is who I am. This is who I am. Do you get it? Do you get it? And they were meant to get it, you know, with the, the, with the breaking of the bread and the, the feeding of the 5,000. I mean, they should have known. Yeah, only God can do that. That was a God thing yet again. And yet they're confused. They're their hearts are hardened for some reason or other. And it seems when we compare it to with the other story uh, in, in, in one of the other Gospels that, that they move from that hardness of heart and, and they move to a recognition, yeah, Jesus, you are the Son of God. So they have been thrilled with, with simple evidences up to this point, demonstrations of power, but it didn't move them to the next level of understanding about what evidence, what the evidence pointed to. And it may be that in your Christian life, you have been, you know, thrilled by simple evidences somewhere or other along the way in that journey, but you have never yet fully encountered the, the full and dynamic reality of Jesus Christ. There's some measure of, yeah, hardness within your heart that God wants just to soften and just open you up to the full, that, that full revelation of Jesus Christ. So in Matthew's gospel, we, we discover that at the end of the story there, they're suddenly proclaiming, you really are the son of God. Have you, have you reached that point? Perhaps you've seen him do some miracles. Perhaps you've, been, you've experienced a miracle yourself, but you've never got to that point where you said, yeah, Jesus, I get it now. You really are the son of God. You are God manifest in the flesh. You are God loving me. You are God saving me, healing me, restoring me. And so there, as the chapter closes, we read, uh, after they had crossed the lake, they landed at Genesaret, and they brought the boat to shore, and they climbed out, and the people recognized Jesus at once, and they ran throughout the whole area, carrying sick people on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, in villages, in cities, and or the countryside, they brought the sick out to the marketplaces, and they begged him to look, let, to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe. 
and all who touched him were healed. I mean, it's staggering, isn't it? This, this story of Jesus is, is, is just so dynamic. And one of the beauties of Mark's gospel is he, he, he keeps his stories compact. Other, that's some of the others, they fill them out. and There's more information there, but they're compact stories. It's a great gospel to read. And I'd encourage you to read right the way through it and then read it again and read it again until and pray the Holy Spirit just to open your eyes to, to see who this Jesus really is and the love he has and the, the, what he can do for you wherever you are. And so to to draw this to a close today, my first question would be, do you know him? Do you really know him? Is he, to take the picture there, is he in the boat of your life? Do you you know him as your personal saviour and Lord? And I want to commend him to you uh, this morning. There are people here in this room who would commend him as well. And people who are listening in who who have encountered him and, and know who he is and his great love and his mercy and grace. Do you know him? If you don't, you can in, in, in just this moment of time. Just reach out to him. It may be that you've suffered rejection and Jesus suffered rejection right back at the beginning of this chapter. And, and he can bring healing into your life wherever you are today. He can speak to the situation in which you find yourself and heal the rejection and the pain that you have felt. Jesus has been there, and he's there right now for you. It may be that you you are overwhelmed. You've been driven by so many things, and you need to take time out. You need to say, hang on a minute, there are things more important than this. I need to just shut down for a while, and take time out and be with the Father. Listen to his voice and hear what he has to say to be renewed, to be re-strengthened, ready to go back and serve his purposes. Maybe that there is a raging storm going on and you, you need to know that Jesus comes to you as the I am, right in the midst of that storm. The God who is present, the one who always was and is and will be, present to you in the storm. One who's able to deliver you and see you through. It may be that you're sick this morning and you need a healing touch. And right now you can just reach out as the band comes up and prepares to lead us in worship as we close this morning. I just want to encourage you to open your heart to the Lord wherever you are. I'm just going to pray for you before I hand over to them. So wherever you are, just in this moment, just open your heart to God. Just realize his presence. Father, I pray for any this morning who are still trying to get their heads around you, Lord God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Maybe they've known something about you. They've grown up in church. They've perhaps attended an Alpha course, but they've not entirely got you yet, Lord Jesus. I just pray, Holy Spirit, just draw back the curtains and let the light in. Holy Spirit, let them see who Jesus really is and what he wants to do for them. And I just pray for any who, who don't know him, who would just like to come at this moment. I just encourage you to come to him, to say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. I confess it, I repent of it, I put my trust in you. 
the one alone who is able to save me. Please forgive me, cleanse me, renew me. Holy Spirit, come and fill me. For those who are sick this morning, pray in the name of Jesus that the power of God would be released in homes, in wherever people are, are just tuning in at this moment in time. The power of God would be released to bring healing. Bring healing just now, in Jesus' name. Healing in body, healing in mind, healing in spirit. I pray, Lord Jesus, you'll just come into the storms that people are facing. And I pray that they just realize your presence. And know that you're God with them in the midst of the storm. And you will deliver them. Holy Spirit, just fill us as we continue to worship you and as we go out from this place today. That we might serve your purpose in our generation. That others may come to know Jesus. Others may serve the purposes of God. We may see your kingdom coming in greater measure. In Jesus' name.